dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lions how's it going better like just good in a non-specific way but also in the specific way that people who listen to the other episodes know exactly what i mean (laughs) because there are some people that like know the canon right you know so they they've watched all the episodes they, they they listen to them when they come out you know so they they actually get the timeline and then other people kind of dip in and out and, and, and both are fine but you know it, you if you watch lower decks and you haven't watched tng 90 percent of it's a blast but you don't get those extra like little 10 percent inside jokes yeah. you know and, and that's that ratio is is critical right like yeah. we can wink to the camera at most 10 percent of the time right if, if it becomes a 50-50, like, oh, well, you didn't read the books that are supplements to the movie that are supplemented by the TV show. Like, I don't want to become Marvel. We're not going to have a cinematic nostalgia goggles <laughs> universe. Not not at the rate we make money off of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, we can just once in a while you open up a crate and it's just like, oh, hey, look, it's a bunch of data dolls. It's like, are you sure they're all datas? Some of them might be lores. Yeah, some of them might be lores. You know, like stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but if we opened up that crate and it was full of money. Yeah, then I would well, do a I whole mean, cinematic universe. L- literally, we have a whole new tier of Patreons to show exactly <laughs> what we're willing to do for money. The crate of money tier. <laughs> oh Lord, uh, George, what did we finally, finally play after talking about it for like several years? Several years. I mean, probably since Civilization Six came out. <laughs> probably. Since, yeah, we might be able to uh, timestamp this like down to a day. Yeah, Civilization Six came out. Oh, hey, I started playing Civilization Six. Hey, you know what we should do? We should play Civilization Two, which is what we played. Yeah, which uh, I didn't realize how much iterating happened over the first like three or four games. Like two is very different from one, which is very different from three, right? And then like four kind of refines it a little, and then five refines it a lot, and then six refines it a lot, right? So there's this wide top of the funnel. And so I think what's interesting about that is like for me, civilization two is my nostalgic civilization. And if someone else says their nostalgic civilization is one or three, you may have like nothing in common because they were still trying so many different things in not the game, the underlying game part, but like what made it Sid Meier's civilization. (laughs) So just like, Oh, what's your favorite, you know, classic civilization? Like the answer to this question is meaningful. So think hard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, Hey, do you, you play D and D? I do. Which is your, which, which edition? Second. Uh, cool. I think this conversation is over because you might as well said no, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, I'm afraid I have nothing additional to add. Yeah. But which edition do you play fourth? It, what do we do if they say fourth dad well then we ask them very kindly but firmly to leave <laughs> what do we do if they say fourth dad well you hold up your holy symbol and say not today satan <laughs> i actually saw a meme recently where it said you know somebody says not today satan and just says satan uh you've rescheduled our plans several times is it something that i said or <laughs> i mean the devil has feelings too. Yeah, you know, I mean, like the the, the devil can apparently be negged. You know, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why he's such a jerk. Right? Yeah, right. People are always treating him like crap. 
I mean, if, if you would believe Paradise Lost, that is it. But uh, anyways, what is your nostalgia experience for this? <laughs> oh, wait. Before we start going on. into I, Milton. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I got to do the, the top of funnel right. stuff. Uh, February 29th, 19... This came out on February 29th. That's funny. Uh, 1996. So... Uh, this is actually a contemporary of like several of the PC games we've done recently. Wait, wait, wait. wait. So it came out uh, February 29th, 1996. That means it's only, I mean, it's only like what? Oh, you're doing that five years old. Yeah. Yeah, It only only counts in years that have a 29. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so so we screwed up because this this isn't 20 years old. (laughs) Way way too recent. (laughs) Um, Originally, originally on the PC and unbelievably later ported to the PS one just i cannot imagine trying to interact with the they must have had a completely different ui i hope because oh my god uh but so what is this game if you've never heard of it uh this is a inexplicably isometric 4x game which is explore expand exploit and exterminate uh from the golden age of pc strategy games there are three paths to victory uh, and i'm actually glad i read this in the wikipedia article because i didn't know one of these so you can kill everybody else right or conquer them right uh and you you run the world you can build a spaceship that successfully reaches the alpha centauri star system so just getting to space travel isn't enough which i did, didn't know that uh you have to you know not die uh, but then the ending that I didn't even know was an option is if you just survive until 2020 AD, the game just ends and your score is just tallied against the other civilizations scores, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like I didn't, I don't think modern incarnations of the game have the like calendar cutoff victory, but uh, I'm pretty sure I never went that way. Right. It was, it was like bloodlust or, or bust. Yeah, absolutely. No, for me it was, I mean, again, like I, I, uh, would typically do what you i believe affectionately uh called the the wakanda um <laughs> yes strategy yeah. hunker down and science up yep exactly to to where you know people come in and they're like oh i see that you have only city walls and some people holding weird sticks i will destroy you with my pike man it's like oh that's a machine gun actually uh <laughs> let me show you how it works <laughs> stand over there yeah <laughs> and, and you know like like oh oh you have a catapult let me let me show you my trebuchet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll I'll start uh, with my nostalgia experience. So uh, I just played like the mess out of this game, but I don't know where it came from. Like I don't know why we had this game. I don't remember asking for it. I don't remember borrowing it from anyone. So it is possible that this was maybe my older brother's, and so I just played it because it was around right like on the family pc in the dining room and yeah so i like a lot of games from this era i have pretty clear memories of like how they came into my sphere but not (laughs) this one uh it was just about it it's not impossible though it is kind of unlikely like maybe it literally came with a pc like we bought a packard bell and it was bundled in if you bought the monitor too i don't who knows but i played this game a lot and realized when we were getting ready to do this episode i think this might actually be the only civilization i've played besides four i played four briefly when it was new uh and i don't don't remember why i bailed on it but i I played it briefly but i played the mess out of this one and only this one so thinking about how different the early games were is like oh maybe i bounced off the series because of this game maybe i love this game <laughs> and I, I i tried the others and they they scared me off because they were different like i i honestly don't know and of course i couldn't do any additional research so here we are yep uh yeah no pre- pretty pretty similar actually i remember how this one came into my sphere 
was uh, I was in middle school um, when this, you know, like I, I learned about civilization too. And a couple, a couple of, of funny things was one is that I, I got this from a friend if, if memory serves. And um, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I take that back. I gave this to a friend. I had it and I gave it to a friend. And so uh, he was technologically savvy and I was not. And so um, initially what my first attempt to give it to him was uh, I was like, oh, I'll just put it onto a floppy disk, right? And it was way too big for that. But I was like, that's fine. I'll just put it onto several floppy disks. <laughs> and and so I did. And and I and I gave him like the stack. And I, and I remember handing it to him and him being like, oh, this doesn't bode well. You know? <laughs> this this he, doesn't he, do what you think this does. Yeah, but it, he, he said like, I'm sorry, what did you do? And I explained to it, it to him. He said like, and he gave me a lion's level um, analogy and and he was you know whatever like 12 at the time or, or 10 right but he said uh is he said george this isn't going to work and i was like why well, i gave you all the files and he said this would be like me cutting you into several pieces and putting you into different boxes and expecting you to function when you got to where you were going yeah the the one person who we know can do that is uh is it dr manhattan it's like yeah. the first thing i learned how to do was put myself back together <laughs> but uh but yeah and then i just i played like like you said played the ever loving mess out of this game uh, it was on the computer in the spare bedroom, which meant that, you know, I could just sit there and, and, and play forever. And I do remember, I also remember when I, I kind of put the game down and then didn't pick it back up, which was I had like stacks on stacks on stacks of musketeers and was just throwing bodies into the river, like like choking their <laughs> rivers with my dead with this one city that I was trying to capture. And it just wasn't working. And like everyone was in revolt. I was like bankrupt because of all of the time and energy I was throwing it, like trying to overthrow this one thing. And then I was like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll come back to this. And I just I just didn't. And then I picked up Civilization Six. And then a scant two decades later, you found a new game. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was, oh, yeah, Civilization. I, I remember like a Civilization. Let's, let's try Civilization Six. And then when I first started playing it, I was like, what what are these districts? This is new and different, and I don't like it. And now I went back to this. And I'm like, where are all the districts? This is old and different, and I don't like it. <laughs> I mean, you jumped four iterations. Like that's yeah. that's a bunch. Uh, <laughs> shall shall we chill? We shall chill. So if you like what we're up to and you want more of this mess, make sure you li- like and subscribe, as the youths say. Uh, it's the easiest way for you to get new episodes. Just su- subscribe to the show. Don't make it difficult. Don't be worried about this. Uh, if you want to support what we're doing, you can find us on the internet. Uh, I stream a lot of the games we play. I didn't stream this one, I think, more than twice because uh, it's an old Windows game and it was a pain in the ass and I just wasn't willing to put up with it. So I stream <laughs> most of the games we play, but th- this one I only got like one or two streams. Um, if you want to uh, go above and beyond and support us a little bit, I find ratings are good. Referrals are better. So find another civilization, invade one of their cities, and force their people to listen to an episode you think is a game they might enjoy listening to an episode about. That's probably the best thing you can do. Uh, you can also give us money. If you give us money, you get the after show. Everybody, all levels, gets the after show. And if you support us at a high enough tier, you actually get your name shouted out on the show. So first, we need to thank our 8-bit classics, Jacob. A Supreme Settler. Yarno. An Accurate Archer. Jason. A Capital Cannon. John. A Healthy Horseman. And Kevin. An Unparalleled Pikeman. And our 16-bit hero, Michael. A Malevolent Musketman. And the reason why <laughs> is because once you get Musketman, it's all downhill for whoever. <laughs> your your 
your your I mean like that that's the big one. If you can get gunpowder reasonably before everyone else, you become the it, it, the, what was it the gray goo right you become the gray goo <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> so we we need to talk about the audio visuals before oh, we we dig into this wait. but real oh, fast oh um, the thousand dollar tier the thousand dollar tier yeah, oh yeah. so for for <laughs> for a thousand dollars lions and i will write a song in your honor about how you gave us a thousand dollars i would do that totally yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely i mean call I my mean, bluff give me a thousand dollars yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you get our level of song making skill, but you know <laughs> that's true. That's the real. <laughs> that's the hitch. Um. So, but I I want you to please remember that thread about once you get gunpowder, like that's whoever gets gunpowder first that can really upset the balance of the game. Um, yeah, it does. Because I I have a, a question for you, kind of about your hunger down and science up strategy. Um. Do I don't love the visuals in this game. Nope. Except the visuals that I do love. But here's the thing. Uh, pixel art, and this isn't a problem we have actually had to deal with a lot uh, for most of the games that we've played, I think. But games that are, you know, from the, the 80s, well, we actually have played a couple games from the 70s. Games that are from the 70s, 80s, and 90s that were uh, pre-polygons uh, were often relying on the fact that CRTs blurred the pixels together, right? And And that wasn't like they knew that that happened. It's not like they saw the world blurry, right? It's just like our great grandparents <laughs> didn't see everything sepia toned. So they, they knew like, Oh, if we put these two colors next to each other, or if we do this like dithering pattern, it will create this blended look. Right. And a lot of super Nintendo games, a lot of Genesis games, even if they use those strategies, like Sonic the Hedgehog relied on that strategy a lot. But when you sharpen up the pixels on modern screens actually still looks great. This game not 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 a, not as much uh a lot of the like little faces when you're looking at a city look like terrifying monsters uh the the icons the little tokenized you know settlers and and soldiers and stuff on the overworld map are just like weird jagged messes like they there's a lot of information a lot of information on screen and they built it to work on a crt monitor and it just doesn't look great on a modern screen it just really doesn't no it it, it doesn't so so agreed they the visuals for the sake of visuals they don't look great right also there's a whole bunch of stuff that they don't do mechanically right for heavy lifting purposes so for example um it doesn't let you know what the resource output is on the map right you know so like oh you like of just a have, given tile right yeah you know so uh you don't um so if you're if you're going to settle one it doesn't let you know inherently what air what what tiles on the map that city will be able to access if you settle there right which is critically important you just have to kind of internalize that and then you also kind of have to internalize oh right uh well this this you know bland uh green tile does this or Hey, that and, and then they have like specialty tiles, right? You know, they have special resources. But you have really no idea what those are going to be until you settle there and then internalize that. Maybe it's in the manual, but I will never know. Um, <laughs> I, I I also didn't read the manual for this one because <laughs> I was like, nah, I remember. And then I saw the Microprose logo at the the loading, and I was like, oh no, Microprose. <laughs> this probably came with a dictionary sized book, and I I just I was like, nah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> And to be fair, you, you, you can figure it out. Right. But, uh, and, and so one of the things that we discussed, uh, you know, that I'm not going to do is I'm not going to sit here and say that civilization six is better. It is, but that's not the point. Um, 
but what I what I am going to do is when I when I point out a flaw, I'm going to you know kind of I might say how Civilization Six addressed this problem. Um, the way Civilization Six addressed this problem is that they addressed it. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> they you didn't just, not address it. Right. You just hover over tile, and it'll tell you what it will produce. Right. You know, um, and that's 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 very very helpful. Right. Uh, it also didn't. Um, one of the other visuals that I didn't really see that would have been really helpful uh, is they don't give you any idea visually. Um, one, so like, let's say you're going to go take over a town. I didn't see a way to know what I was getting into when I went to go fight that town. You know, I think later when you have spies and diplomats, you can get information about other civilizations and the specifics of their cities but i never like engaged with spies and diplomats i just figured if i send enough people with guns it'll be enough <laughs> and you know not 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 a bad strategy right but uh but what what civilization 6 does is it literally will tell you the approximate outcome of what the action you're about to do right which is really helpful in a in a forex strategy game right you know so Literally, at one point, I, I, I saw somebody go in, they captured one of my cities, and then they left, you know, to go capture one of my other cities, right? And so then I was like, ah, well, now I will go capture your unguarded city. But there was another guy there that I didn't know about. And then all of a sudden, it wiped out my unit. And I was like, well, that's not a decision I would have made, given an option. And, and you could definitely make the argument that it's more realistic because, yes, you know, when you're a general, you don't know the exact you know, information of, of the opposing for, force, except that you, you have a gist, right? You know, like, like if you are an accomplished general, which ostensibly people leading these units are, right? They should be able to say like, this is going to go well, moderately or terribly, right? You know, but they're not just going to, you know, throw their bodies onto a pile because the person in charge says, I don't know. I don't even know if there's anybody in there, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. The whole room might be empty. Well, and to, <laughs> to, to keep this like rooted a little bit just in the way the visual information is presented is you don't have clear indicators of some of this information. Some of it is completely inaccessible. Some of it you can get later under circumstances that may not be obvious that later it will be accessible. And some of it is like in menus, right? And and this game, unlike my beloved Master of Orion 2, right? You have six Civ 6, I have Master of Orion 2. Like, <laughs> Right-clicking does not solve most of your problems. And to me, uh, PC gaming problems should be solved by right-clicking. Like if I don't <laughs> if I don't know what a thing does or how a thing works and I right-click on it, I should get something, right? And and this is what I think is interesting is a Forex game, even to this day, right? But but especially in the the kind of early era of them where we that, that this game was in that we were playing they are walking a very high tightrope of we need you to have a tremendous amount of information and we are still literally figuring out as an industry how to present that to you visually like do we do we have a million like um like in google maps like you can turn off like different layers of the map like do we have a million visual layers where it's like oh th like in sim city like you could see the electronics grid or the electric grid you can see the plumbing grid you can see the traffic grid like that's one way to handle that, that, that the SimCity games did, right? Master of Orion put everything behind a right click and this game kind of does neither. Like some information you just don't have or you don't get it until later mechanically. And so 
you find, or I, I found myself and it sounds like you found yourself constantly contending with, do I not know where this information is in the UI <laughs> or is this information that the game does not afford me because mechanically they've made that decision, which is weird to think. I, I don't know if I'm just looking in the wrong place and it's a simple like HUD issue or if I'm not supposed to know this or I'm supposed to intuit this through other like, you know, goat bone jangling that I don't know I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing. Like that's, that's a, a problem if you don't know if it's a limitation of the HUD or a limitation of the mechanics. Agreed. And, and so, yeah, so again, there's a, a, and again, you know, for, for, for its time, this is 93, right? You know, the, the 96. Are, 96. Um, so, but they're, they're, you know, throwing science at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? So, so a lot of the, the commonalities, you know, had not been established yet for this type of thing. But that being said is, is that, yeah, they, there is a ton of information that you need to know and not most of it is not very represented very easily, uh, accessibly on like a HUD or something like that. And, uh, and, and it doesn't visually let you know, like, oh, hey, if you, if you do thing A, then thing B will happen. And actually, now I'm thinking about it, I'm kind of thinking about this on the fly, which is that when you really, what they don't do, and this is a little bit more mechanical, but they don't visually give you a visual when you are about to make a game-changing decision, right? Or something that could change the trajectory of the game. So if you're about to make a decision that's going to lose you a unit, you need some type of visual that says, hey, it's fine if you want to make this decision, but this is going to be the outcome. Are you cool with that? You know, they're entirely fine with you being like, oh, yeah. And literally at one point, I just, um, I, I, thought that because i was using the uh i wasn't always using the mouse sometimes i was using the arrow keys to move my my persons right i thought that i was moving them up in an angle but instead i moved them directly across into this city and then they just died and i was like well that's not what i wanted to do but it's what happened and so there was no visual indicator to say like hey you know you're you're that this is going to result in defeat you know well, and you will you will notice uh, in the description of the game, I called it inexplicably isometric because civilization one is not isometric. It's top down. And so is every civilization after this one, because not knowing exactly where you're going to move a unit is problematic because what you don't want to do is have a million pop ups that are like, are you sure this is where you want to move? Are you sure this is where you want to move? Are you sure this is where you want to move? So you need it to be low friction to take an action, but high confidence in what the action you're taking is. And literally the way the map is drawn lowers your confidence in the action of moving units, which you do a lot. Right. And and then the way that Civilization Six addressed this is that anytime you go to move a unit, one, it's on a hex grid, right? And it shows you the grid, right? Yes. And so you just select the tile you want to go to and it says, ah, this will take you this many turns, and this is this how this is going to go down. Um, also, too, with uh, visuals, um, when you go to move, uh, if you can't get there, it just goes, and this is this actually leads nicely <laughs> into audio, right? It gives you one little one way to let you know that what you're doing is not possible. Because, uh-uh, uh-uh. but it doesn't say, you know, like it's I'm a like, very what? wimpy buzzer noise. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, but at one point is, um, you know. The Senate wouldn't let me go to war with the people I wanted to go to war with, which is just a huge disappointment. I hate hate when they do that. Every time that popped up, I was like, you know, we can go back to an earlier form of government, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I literally at one point, you know, it just shows the meme of like 
the person sweating pushing the button and it's just <laughs> return to monarchy yeah. you know? <laughs> democracy monarchy you're like uh, like that's uh, literally hovering over the monarchy button being like i don't i don't have to deal with this i am dealing with this by choice although weirdly because of the way the science tree worked and we'll get into that um i discovered democracy before monarchy so you know I, that was just kind of weird to me. But anyway, so there was a period where I was a democracy because that was ostensibly my only choice. Anyways, um, I say that to say, though, that it wasn't telling me why I couldn't get from point A to point B. It just said, no, nope, you can't get there. And I was like, am I getting too close to a city? Do I need to go up and around? What's, what, what, what's the problem? It was just like, no, no. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man. And, and the, those audio cues and some of the little visual cues are, enough to indicate something is different and it th- this is a mechanical thing but I'm, I'm not sure exactly where i would insert this so it's, here it comes um this game i literally had to don't, Sorry, name of your sex no, no don't don't you, <laughs> no you can bleep it but you don't you ever write it up this show um <laughs> i i literally had to remind myself on one of my playthroughs right the expectation is not that you win on the first try. The expectation is not necessarily that you win ever. You could draw a tremendous amount of enjoyment out of playing this game and not ever be victorious, right? Because it kind of does have a score. So if you just survived to 2020, it would tell you like what your score is and you can actually check your score whenever you want. So the the reason I say that is if you try to do something and it goes eh, eh, like you can save scum essentially right because early pc gaming is all about safe scumming so you can save scum and then just click a bunch of times and do micro experiments or die and start a new game and be like oh i see the reason i couldn't go over there is because i had a peace treaty with them and you're not allowed to get within like military units can't get within a certain distance of other other military units because of the peace treaty right or Oh, when I see the little R on the shield, I don't I didn't know what that meant because I clicked something without realizing it. Now I can see that a road is built, so now I know that that that's going to build a road, right? And th- there is like little helper text and stuff that that pops up which is I I kind of think it was actually executed like pretty okay, the little like helper boxes that pop up and you can turn them off once you know how the game is played. Um but there's a lot of like fuck around and find out style of learning how the game is played and and i had to continually remind myself that that is not a bug like not everybody enjoys that but the game was designed that way on purpose like they said part of learning the game is failing and then starting over when also this is this game is meant to be a 100 200 500 hour experience you know like this isn't one where, you know, this isn't God of War where you play it through and you go, oh, that was neat. And then you put it down. You know, this is meant to be played iteratively hundreds of times, right? Yeah, it's chess. It's not a novel. Right. So um, the good analogy. Uh, so when you go through and, and you meet another civilization for the first time, you're like, what are all of these weird veiny things all over the place? Roads. Apparently, those are things that can be built. How could I go about doing that? And then you start like looking into it. You're like, ah, okay, this is how I would do it. Um, so the the uh, one of the audio notes um, is, uh, what do you think of the music, man? Uh, what music? Exactly. <laughs> so so I, I looked into this the least I could without like doing research outside of the game. So 
in the game, right? Because this is from an era of PC gaming where the HUD is not custom. The HUD is just windows and menus, like the same you would see in Microsoft Word, just menus and windows, right? Which is like that. <laughs> that was part of what made the game difficult to stream, because if you were capturing the main game window, it didn't include any of the pop up windows because those are literally separate windows like like if you have two different applications open, right? Whereas like my streaming software is like, oh, that's that's a different window. You asked me only to show this window, right? It's, <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, wow, this is like from a whole different era of of like game and interface design and UI design. Um, it's it's like it's like you saying, you know, I speak English, you speak English, right? Yes, but I speak old English. Is that okay? So, oh, like Shakespearean English? No, <laughs> like Beowulf English. It's like, ah, so we cannot communicate. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> Yes. So uh, in the game, there is a menu that is literally something like play the goddamn music. Like, why is it so friggin' quiet? And uh, <laughs> if you try to interact with it, it says something like, where's the CD, buddy? And <laughs> I said, I, I don't have the CD. I downloaded this game for free on Abandonware. And the game says, well, then you cannot have any music. So there are lots of little musical cues right like when when certain things happen there's little musical cues uh there's little audio cues like when when they upgrade your uh your throne room it's like the crowd cheering right Yay! so the, the yeah. entire game is not dead silent but a lot of it is just the little arcade beeps and boops of like a unit moved or a unit was promoted to veteran or you know president's day was celebrated in rome or whatever and and the rest of the time it is silent which is weird which reminded me that this was one of those games that I listened to comedy albums while I was playing it because <laughs> the version I had when I was a kid also didn't have the, the, like the multiplayer gold iteration that came with music. So that was kind of a letdown. I was like, yeah, I have access to unlimited music as an adult with the internet, but you know, I want the game to have music. I want to hear the game music. Yeah, I want, I want the game to decide what my playlist, you know? Yeah, no, actually, my, my note was it is deafening, deafeningly quiet. <laughs> um, and, and so, which is interesting because, uh, you know, <laughs> so what Civilization Six does is, um, which I think is kind of nice, is that there is music and it's actually specifically music indigenous to the different civilizations that you've been in contact with, right? You know, so, uh, um, you know, like if you've gotten in contact with uh, the Canada, you know, it'll play, oh, Canada, you know, like their, their, their thing. But the interesting thing is as the ages get higher, right? So when you're in like the, the very, very beginning, it's all very simplistic music. And then the music becomes grander and fuller as the ages go on, you know? Um, so, so I say all of that to say that, uh, you know, I, I'd be playing Civilization 2 and being and saying, and I've got like this music in my head and I was like, what? Oh, right. Because my brain said, you're playing a civilization game. <laughs> so I did have a soundtrack. My brain just went in and just said, click, turn this on. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's all in my head. Oh, this is, this is how people go crazy. All right. No, that's good. <laughs> no, I, I was a little disappointed just because I knew, like I could remember some of the, the little tunes like when you're first starting the game there's like that tribal drums right when you're building the world and it's like dun 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 dun, dun ba, 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 right so there's like the game has music and i bet the score that went with it is probably fine but if i had to guess i would say for either 
technical reasons or copyright licensing reasons or both they didn't bundle the music into the core game right like maybe the cd just didn't have enough room on it or maybe some very smart person said uh the licenses for the music is like really strict and crappy and it's going to interfere with our ability to distribute the game so let's distribute them separately and then if the people who own the rights to the music turn out to be douchebags which they almost always do then we can just say okay then we'll just sell the game without the music right so that's speculative but based on what i know about the games industry and the music industry i i would not be surprised if one or both of those things is true right uh so no that that makes anything else for audiovisual uh i just I cannot emphasize enough how high the barrier to entry was for, I don't know what these things do, which made this probably a great segue into uh, the gameplay and the mechanics, because when I first sat down and I was like, okay, I recognize the settlers. Okay. Like I recognize kind of how the map is laid out and okay. Like I, I kind of remember some of this stuff and then I pressed a button by mistake and a little symbol showed up on the little settler shield and i was like ah, i uh, i don't know what that's gonna do right and so there was a lot of basically i you know two roads diverged in a wood i was like i can either go read through all of the help menus that ship with this game because they will pages and pages and pages like if you are willing to do the reading there is nothing in the game that is opaque if you are hoping the game will just teach you it actually makes a moderate effort to teach you and they're trying not to be annoying, right? They're trying to give you the minimum you need to be successful without letting you just like flounder around. But if you just want the game to teach you through gameplay, mm -mm. which to be fair, it's 4X game. They can't really do that, right? There's so many systems and so many mechanics, but I wasn't always happy with where they drew the line on what would pop up a little helpful box. And then there were other times where like, did you know when you're looking at a city, if you click on the city, it will optimize the distribution of resources seemingly between two toggles. So like it'll, if you click, it'll optimize it in this way, or if you click, it'll optimize it in that way. But one, I don't know if that's true Two, I don't know why okay. you have to click on it. Three, I don't know if there are other things that I'm doing that are happening as like knock on effects from making that change because that one didn't get a friendly little pop-up box. So I just clicked until the numbers looked like they were the numbers I thought that they maybe should be. Right. <laughs> and so like that, there's this like weird cliff you fall off of where the game is like, all right, we gave you the basics, like fi figure out the rest or go read the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that was the, so for me, I, I, I did not know if you double click on the city that it redistributes your resources. Cause basically, again, one of the things that I am, I am sure that the game can combat combat later but uh you know i basically found my first order optimal strategy and then started doing that right uh and for me is it was uh because one of the things that it doesn't let you do is it it doesn't let you not make anything right from what i could tell you know it, it will constantly pester you with like this looks like a good place to build a city this hey but what are you what are you doing okay let's go study some science like yeah they won't they won't let you just wander the, the the wasteland. Well, no, I'm saying though is it for each city, like it has to be working on a project, you know. Oh, also, yes. So at the macro yeah. and and the micro scale, yes, true. Yes, yeah. So I say that to say that, um, you know, in what in Civilization Six, one is that 
uh, generally speaking, because there would be times where, you know, the, the city had built all things that I really wanted it to, I didn't want it, I wanted it to sit there and make science. That's what I wanted it to do, you know? But that wasn't really an option. Like, give it a thing to do that I didn't really want it to necessarily complete, especially because I'd be like, fine, build a stock exchange, even though the stock exchange costs four units to maintain and only gives you a 50% boost in gold. And I have eight gold pieces. So this is a wash, you know, like it, whatever. Anyways, um, what civilization six does is it, uh, is you can pick, you know, campus research grants or, you know, uh, hub, you know, commercial hub project, but basically you can say, make me science. That's what I want you to do is I want you to take all of your manufacturing and pour it into science. So I say all that though, to say that when I realized I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I have to be working on something. Somehow production then became my enemy. (laughs) I didn't really want it to finish anything. So, but you know, what was great is that once you build a Harbor, um, harbors give you two food, right? Um, which is what most land gives you in and of itself, right? Or one, right? Uh, and three trade and no production. So once I figured that out, and and the trade is what gives you your science, and it's like ah, so I can kind of make it do science by making it giving zero production. So towards the end, most of the cities like one shield per turn that they were generating, and everything else was fishing. Go fish. <laughs> Fill the world with fish, drain the oceans, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so, so that, that was, that was kind of, um, like I said, like a little, a little weird. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is I, I had the exact same experience, but my touchstone was master of Orion too. Cause I was like, how do I, how do I ask people to stop, stop building things, go do science. Like, and, and so the, the way I worked around it was not your clever solution. It was, I just always had a thing for them to build that made us science better. Go build a library, go build a university, like all those things. My, all of my towns were defenseless, like utopias <laughs> to, to research in <laughs> academia. Right. But then, uh, eventually once other people started to come around, it was like, Oh, now I need to build like a city wall or something. But, but since they, as far as I could tell, like you did had to be building something I made them build projects that made science happen. Well, yeah, that was the thing. Is once I had all the science stuff, I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. Although the Adam Smith Trading Company, did you build that wonder? I did. Yeah, that one's banging. Because so, what? Why did you jump on that one? Because I could tell you which one was my favorite and which one I thought was the funniest. <laughs> I jumped on that one just because it said everything that costs one gold or less to maintain uh, is free now. And I said, oh, that's like a lot of the first things that you build, you know? And so literally my total empire maintenance costs dropped from like 40 gold per turn to 15 gold per turn, which means that I don't need to have as high taxes anymore and dump all of that into science. So that, that's, that's how I, I got to, to the science, right? Yeah. Is, you know. Now that that's, that's legit. Um, the, the one that made my eyebrows go like, oh, really? Was Leonardo's workshop. Because yeah, I built that. One. That's, that's how. It was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leonardo's like it was probably I don't know, I did I don't know maybe like ten games like not all of them to completion but just like different scenarios and stuff to experiment. Um, and and once I discovered what that one was, unfortunately, on like the sixth or seventh of ten games, I was like, ah, oh, I would have been doing this the whole time <laughs> <laughs> because then all of my stupid warriors would instantly turn into riflemen. <laughs> Yeah, no, Leonardo's workshop is amazing. That one, and uh, 
Isaac Newton's university, pretty cool, doubles the science output of a thing. So I had like one that was doing like 40 science per turn or something. And I was just like, oh, yes, 80 science per turn, you say, go on. <laughs> so, so real quick, uh, I completely forgot to mention uh, during audiovisual, one of the things that I found exactly as charming in this game as I expected to was the little uh, videos of your advisors, because they're kind of silly and they're kind of poorly acted, right? Because it's probably like the developers and like people from around the studio or his friends or whatever. I don't know. But uh, I love that the luxury advisor is Elvis just in every era, right? <laughs> in in the tribal era, it's Elvis. In the space age, it's Elvis. I just love it's so dumb. <laughs> it's so completely dumb, but I just it's it's silly and funny and it, it held up exactly the way it did in my memory. Just like, oh, this is because the game is supposed to have some levity to it, right? So when you uh, complete a great, or is that what they're called? Great wonders or wonders? Uh, yeah. 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 Um, wonder. Yeah, you know, a like wonder pyramids the and the Colossus and stuff. So you, you complete like a world wonder and they have a little video that plays. And this is where you get your, your favorite uh, tangential learning, right? Because for things like the pyramids, they show real footage of the pyramids and of the Sphinx. And for uh, things like when you develop space travel, they show like real footage of the moon landing and like shots from uh, from different satellites and things that were, were publicly available at that time. And it, it's like, oh, this is cool because you're seeing why this was a big deal to humanity because look at all this real documentation we have of this real thing that really exists in the real world. Um, and then at the end of the little video, it tells you like, such and such counts as such and such. Like now that you've learned what this thing is like and why it's important, here is the mechanical impact in the game. The, the one that really made me damn near do a spit take is uh, the further you get into history, the more kind of like abstract the wonders are, right? So like space travel isn't a spaceship. It is the concept of space travel, right? Whereas the early wonders are literal physical things like the pyramids, one of the wonders you can get is women's suffrage. Did you unlock women's suffrage? I I don't believe so, no. Okay. If you unlock women's suffrage and you watch the little video, because you can very easily click out of it, unfortunately, and I don't know of a way to replay it. Um, but at the end, it says, you know, there's like this uh, like cursive font, and it says, women's suffrage counts as a police station in every city. And I just went, what? <laughs> <laughs> See, there's 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 your tagline right <laughs> well and that honestly because i'm an adult now and i understand that these games are supposed to be like rooted in reality it made me sit back and go do do i not know what women's suffrage was and what it's, <laughs> what its impact was like i that's not what i would have expected yeah i i guess that because if i remember correctly having a police state in in every area reduces corruption right were, yeah and and so, like, the idea of, like, oh, because now women are part of the democratic process and they've been empowered as citizens, like, that reduces overall corruption in society. It's like, yeah, okay. But the phrasing is Functions, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing is it is, is it's, it's, that, that is fascinating because it is like a, it's trying to draw a corollary, basically saying, like, this counts as a police station in each area for the purposes of reducing corruption. So uh, they, they, they created, like, a weird middleman, you know, because it would be like, um, if I said, you know, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I, I'm going to go work. <laughs> I'm going to go work for a, a person and they're going to give me, uh, you know, $20. Now, right? They're giving a handle of monkey shoulder every two hours. And it's like, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess because I could then exchange that money for whiskey. But 
that's not that's a weird way to say that but i mean yes you're not wrong you know <laughs> it made me think of that scene in the office where uh dwight says he's gonna pay everyone in shrewd bucks oh yeah stanley says uh i will give you a thousand stanley nichols to stop talking about this what's the exchange rate of shrewd bucks to stanley nichols <laughs> what's the exchange rate of leprechauns to <laughs> exactly no that's fascinating um one of the, the differences with this one that and and i may have been misunderstanding this but i don't think i was which is that scientific discoveries are based off of your total science output but it's just a certain number of turns, right? Every X turns, you will make a scientific discovery, right? Yeah, based on your output. Based off, based on your output, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so space travel is ostensibly more to unlock, but it's based on your. It it's because there's multiple layers of abstraction. So it it is it takes more science to unlock space travel, but because they give it to you in raw turns based on how much of your society's output is going into science it's hard to say exactly like oh this is 10 times more complicated than unlocking this other thing because there's two levels of abstraction right because like what i looked at was that it just basically when i would be setting they have the window that says set your taxes set your science set your luxuries right and there it would say like hey if you set your science at 70% then you're going to make a discovery every 5 turns if you do it at 60% it's going to be 6 turns 7 turns so on and so forth right and that's 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 great it, it makes it makes for good and easy decision making but the way i i decoded that was that you know is let's just say that for whatever reason i never researched monarchy so it's now between you know space exploration and monarchy it's like oh those two things take the same and if i'm like that feels weird you know uh uh, so and again the way that that even masters of orion does it is different science things actually require different research points you know and one of the things that i thought about when i was playing civilization six which is i think interesting is that i don't know how civilization six does it but um for sure but basically is that let's just say that you're like all right i'm gonna go down this path i'm not even gonna worry about building boats i don't care about boats i'm landlocked screw that i don't like the sea right um i no one has instilled in me a love of the sea right so i am never going to build a boat so uh but you know so you eventually you know you start building sanitation you're building all this sort of stuff well eventually it will just take you one turn to build to, to learn how to build a ship right but once it takes you one turn it takes you one turn right so like even if you even if it would take you one tenth of a turn it doesn't drop below one turn so it does actually incentivize you to not get stupid on the tech tree to eventually go back and research the old stuff because it is sub suboptimal to, to not, but this one took it way far in the other direction, which it was like, man, research, whatever you want, whenever you want. And I'm like, well, I mean, heck, I don't really see any reason to go back and research some of these other things because it's going to take me five turns to research conscription, which gives me riflemen or go back and research a type of government that I'm never, ever going to use. You yeah. Know? Th- there's, and this is another like trial and error thing where you can probably exploit that in some ways that are game breaking if you understand how the tree works and what those things unlock. And to the game's credit, it's not like you would have to do a million iterations. You There's literally a single button that will show you the entire tech tree and what everything unlocks, including the units and things you get from researching that thing. So like there is no 
no guesswork, right? You may not know the impact of a, a building or of a particular unit or whatever, but um, you can look right away. The very first thing you can do is you can say, I think it's help, which shows you the the broader tech tree in detail. And then there's goal and goal will let you scan the tech tree and say, I want this. I want riflemen. Tell me what of the things I am currently have available to research will get me to riflemen. And that I thought was actually super cool because there was a time it, this information has gone out of my head now, but there was a time when I could have told you the shortest path to get the stellar converters in master of Orion two, because that <laughs> yeah. is the, I win the game technology in most circumstances, but I, I didn't, I don't remember any way in the game to see that information. Whereas civilization two is just like, here it all is. If you want to know how to get from, you know, banging drums and killing animals with rocks to space travel, like we will tell you exactly how to get there from here, which is kind of an unrealistic amount of information <laughs> for you to have access to, but it is nice. Yep. Oh, agreed. Uh, one of the things that, that Civ Six does that is a little bit better. And, and so to your point, right, is that this is this is great. Right. And, and this is the spoiled child I have become, you know, by playing Civilization Six first is uh, the one uh, quality of life improvement in Civilization Six. If you say, I want gunpowder, it'll say, cool, we're on it. And then it automatically selects everything for you, as opposed to them where they say, well, pick thing A, thing B, thing C. And then you're like, OK, all right, so I'll pick thing A. And then it's like, okay, time for the next thing. All right, help me out again, man. I'm trying to get the gunpowder. How do I do that, right? As opposed to just, we're on it. And it's like, great. You let me know if there's anything else you need. Let me know if there's anything else you need from me. I'm managing. <laughs> well, that, yeah, and that that gives you your uh, your like entitled douchebag visionary like uh, <laughs> experience where you get to just walk into a room and be like, someone should really cure cancer. And then it smash cuts to 50 years later. There's a bunch of exhausted, dead, burned out grad students. And somehow you are being praised for curing cancer. <laughs> hey, we, we, we just gave you this lifetime achievement award to your robot. No. <laughs> Why did I program my robot to make better decisions? Robot experience this dramatic irony for me. <laughs> Well, well executed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyways, um, that. Uh, one of the other things, this is, this is kind of a minor note, but it, this is the type of thing that will drive me to drink, um, which is uh, you can put units to sleep, right? To just say, to just hang out, right? Because they get a weird gray overlay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just, like, just like people do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um. Anyways, but you, uh, so one of the things I, I've noticed with civilization games in general, right, is that you want, it takes like X number of turns to, to get from point A to point B. Like it takes 200 turns and then the game will end, right? But how long those turns takes can vary wildly, right? You know, so in the beginning, turns go by super fast, right? And then you can make it for, there was a while in the, in the middle of a couple of my games where turns were also going by super fast because I had all of my units asleep and I kind of had everybody doing their thing. And I'm like, okay, just keep sciencing. That's all I want you to do. I want you to hunker down to science, right? Um, I say all that though, to say that, uh, you know, if you have a whole bunch of units and you're moving them around and stuff, that makes turns take forever, right? It becomes tedious. So most of the time, if I don't need the unit to be doing anything other than defending a city or there, if in case I need it, I would put it to sleep. Uh, it auto wakes up your unit if anybody just smells near them, you know? <laughs> and that's upsetting, you know? Because 
like literally at one point is I was like, now in and again to comparatively in, in Civilization Six, you can put a unit into a defense mode and it won't wake up again unless somebody attacks it, right? Then it'll say, Hey, this unit just took some damage. You want to do something about that? You know, and then you could just say, Nope, go back to resting. Is that how fortify works in this game? Maybe. That, that I'm might, not sure. That might be how Fortify works, where it's like they stay fortified until you tell them otherwise. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't uh, come to the realization that Fortify was a thing, so I just kept telling them <laughs> to go to sleep. Uh, anyways, I say I say that, though, to say that uh, from, my, from my seat, at least, when I was telling people, you know, hey, go to sleep, and then somebody would walk by and wake up my unit. I said, no, go to sleep. Walk by, hey, you want to wait and hope, go, go back to sleep. And then, literally, at one point, I was in a perfectly fine place, but I said, Go to the edge of the earth so <laughs> no one will ever wake you up again. <laughs> I am so sick of dealing with your crap, conscripted, conscripted knights, or whatever they were. You know, like I'm, I'm done. And uh, <laughs> so, so, one, they never saw that. their families again. And- <laughs> Uh, and two, that actually uh, reminds me of a thing I wanted to ask you about. But first, I want to talk about this silly thing. So because this game is ostensibly taking place on Earth, you know, the Earth is, uh, what do you call it? A globe. So you can go, ar- you can Pac-Man off the edge of the screen, right? Because it's a globe. So you have to think about that when you are seafaring, for example, or if there's land that connects the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen, like that is a viable option because even though it is displayed as a two-dimensional inexplicably isometric map you know it it is round um but they thought of that and when you are creating a new game one of the custom game options is called flat world where you can actually make it so that you are playing on a flat plane which i think is super interesting because someone maybe it was sid meyer personally someone said hey it would really change the nature of the game if you could put your back against a wall, right? Because normally that's not a thing you can do on a globe because if your back is against the ocean, eventually people develop boats and air flight, right? So like there, you eventually get to a place where technology has made it. So there are no mountains against which you can fortify, but if the world is flat, then you can actually do that. You could just, and the, the game lets you design your own scenarios and do these kind of interesting things where you can, set the starting conditions you can even save your current game as a scenario if you want to replay it later and see how it shakes out which i thought was pretty cool um but i think it's really interesting to say like but what if the world was flat what if you could be in australia but no one could ever come up from (laughs) the southwest they had to come down from the northeast like that would have made australia the most powerful continent on earth probably (laughs) oh yeah yeah no and and again like i I do and uh, really, really like the degree of customization options you can do because you're like, yeah, but what if, what if this banana pants thing or what if this other, you know, like crazy situation? Like one of the things I did have done a lot of in Civilization VI is once, uh, well, okay, so actually to, to come back, one of the things that, that this one didn't do, which is kind of a bummer, is that, you know, all of the different AIs for the different civilizations change, but they're like, hey, who do you want to be? It's like, I want to be the Romans. It's like, cool, you're the Romans. All right what do you want your cities to look like? I want them to look like this. Cool. That's what they look like. All right, now go play. Right. Um, but being the Romans isn't from a player perspective, isn't any different than being the Babylonians. Isn't any different than there, there are no perks to being Romans. Right. Which is, uh, is changed in Civ six, you know, like in Civ six, you know, if you're playing as the Romans, all of your cities have roads between them because all roads lead to Rome, you know, uh, stuff like that. Right. And so, um, I say that to say that, uh, in civilization six, it's, it's fun because, 
once you have internalized all the different people and all of their quirks, you can then build the world to just funnel everything to you, right? You know, so if it's like, hey, you can build this super powerful thing, but only on hills. It's like, then give me a world that is made of hills. Sure thing, boss. You know, <laughs> now all of a sudden you <laughs> you sit upon a throne of, you know, like, oh, oh wow, this is this is a problem, right? Like uh and 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 so anyway, so I find that that really increases the longevity of a game, especially for one like Civilization 2, where you can say, all right, I played through a few times. I'm feeling pretty comfortable with it. How can I push this to extremes, you know? And they'll let you do that. And uh, the other thing that they'll let you do, and we can either do your thing or do this, is they'll let you cheat. And we should talk about that. We we should talk about the cheating uh, because one, I think it's super cool. And two, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, will, I will capstone uh, this other discussion with... Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason at this this stage of of this series development that they didn't make the player experience of a different uh, culture any different is probably them playing it safe. Because if you think about how they executed this in Masters of Orion or Master of Orion, I think one and two, um, it's a lot more like D and D races where it's like orcs are strong but dumb, and elves are magical but not as hardy, and dwarves are very high constitution. And that would not feel great to apply to like actual human cultures to be like Romans are smart and these other people are less smart, and these people are productive and these other people are le-. like that would there would be some very sketchy <laughs> things that would yes. probably grieving. So I w- I wouldn't be surprised if they said this is a coat of paint, right? You are the row and and by default, I think the the map you play on is not earth like, right? You have to ask for an earth like map. So you don't even get the potential geographical advantages of different cultures. Um and I think that was probably intentional where someone was like, let's not decide that like this race is smarter or dumber or more productive or less productive than some other race. With alien races, you don't feel bad doing that, but with real human history, that would be bad <laughs> well and actually what they did in, in civ 6 which i think was great is that they just did more tangential learning which is that they they say you know oh like so for example the um uh, uh genghis khan right he is not like it's it's not like you you're great at killing people because that's that's what you do you go kill people it's like no but they do have the best mounted units in the game so and they have a specialty type of encampment that they can make because it's a type of encampment that they made like it is a way that they were so it's like you it's it's optimal for you to play this in a warlike fashion because that's what they did and culturally there's a lot of things that they had that they developed that that, that did that but you know I, I now know some words I don't know anymore but to your point right is that I am sure in the mid nineties that that was not going to necessarily occur to anyone initially. Well, and the, the team on Civ six, by the time they were making, you know, Civ three and four and five and six, like this was an incredibly successful franchise. So you can bring in things like cultural advisors, right? Right. They, They can work with the game designers. Whereas obviously this game had a much smaller team as evidenced by the fact that no matter which, civilization you are your advisors are the same six white people (laughs) because it's the people they filmed who probably worked in the office on this game right so like they probably wouldn't do that anymore if they were gonna have real footage of real people the people who are your advisors would probably look like the culture you're supposed to be from not the same six white people from an office in in la or san francisco or whatever yeah yeah no and actually uh one of the things that that uh you know they they 
um, you know, because they did have different, they they do have different playable cultures and all that sort of stuff. In in Civ Six, they uh, one thing that I did notice that I was like, huh, and and I I ha- I'm again, I'm not the person to point to something and be like that's offensive, right? Because you know, uh, just I don't really have a whole lot of clout in that area, right? But <laughs> all of all of the um, avatars are cartoon humans, right? You know. But they really walk a fine line of making sure that they're cartooned in like an okay way, you know, like I was looking at it. I was like, yeah, I don't I think like maybe one or two of these could be considered offensive, not, you know, oh, well, this, you know, this person, we're going to give them this like, you know, miserly look because they come from a culture of of, of this thing. Right. Or we're going to give this other person like a, a really strong look because, you know, they're big dumb orcs right you know or something like that right it's like yeah no that that way, way to thread that needle and to your point to bring it back is that you can really only do that with cultural experts not with chad from accounting you know like <laughs> well it it's a uh, you just made me realize the word caricature is positive when it's singular right like if you draw a caricature of richard nixon and you give him big jowls then somebody would look at that and be like, oh, you know, that's funny. That's Richard Nixon. He had, you know, these kind of prominent jowls. If you draw a picture of, let's say Richard Nixon was Irish. I don't know. If you drew a picture of a generic Irish person with giant jowls and you were like, yeah, you know, because every Irishman has giant jowls. It's like, ah, no, caricature is fine when you are characterizing a specific person. Because then it's like, oh, hey, we're, you know, we're all having fun here. But when you are characterizing an entire culture and less, less fine. Um, Let's talk about cheating. Cheating is awesome. Cheating is awesome globally in all things forever. Yeah, not just um, in this game. I just meant like, you know, yeah. period. Just like a broad, yeah. broad generalization. Absolutely. Yeah. I was you characterizing know I mean? like, like, cheating. Yeah, yeah. Like what <laughs> what 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 is ethics? <laughs> what is an ethics? It's a miserable pile of secrets. Um, anyways, but cheats. So yeah, there there are cheats in this game. Uh one, they don't even like try to there are no cheat codes. It's just like there's a menu dedicated to it, right? And it's Called right cheats. at the top. <laughs> yeah it's right at the top with like build actions you know <laughs> if you're if you're looking how to do fundamental things about the game you are going to immediately recognize the fact that you can cheat right so i, I don't know man i like that because it's supposed to like you know being behind some closed door it's like yeah man you know play the game cheat on the whatever you want to do man it's it's you you paid for it right like this is a distinct departure from a lot of the philosophy of the time. It's like, well, we got to make a game hard because otherwise, why are they going to keep playing? It's like, no, man, you already paid us. Play this game however you want, right? Um, to me, my my go-to cheat in this game was destroy all units at tile X. <laughs> Love that cheat, man. <laughs> there's, there's some elephants coming over here, and I don't really like that. So uh, <laughs> we're just going to smite them from on high. Well, so what happened to me in my first playthrough was um, I was playing as the Babylonian or sorry, I was playing as the Romans and the Babylonians like at, at the beginning of the game, like everybody was coming to me like, hey, man, give me 50 bucks. And I'm like, fine, whatever. And like, hey, man, give me this like modicum of technology. I'm like, whatever, you know, like just just go away. Leave me alone. I'm sciencing. Right. Um, and so, they, so from their seat, they're like, give me 50 bucks. I'm like, I have 2000 gold. I do not care, you know. Um, but then at one point he said, hey teach me how to gunpowder. And I said, oh, no, we're not doing that. And he said, then it's war. And I was like, whatever, man. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of units came out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Right. And and so, 
But in Civilization VI, cities have a base defense strength, right? So, you know, like if you want to take over a city, you need at least a couple of units that are of decent quality just to fight through the city. And then if they're garrisoned units and all this sort of stuff, it gets more and more difficult, right? But I was like, well, they're coming, but, you know, I can get my musketmen over there in like this amount of time and it'll be fine. And they just walked into my city and said, this is ours now. And I said, what? Taking over cities is way too easy in this game. Way too easy, which then again it incentivizes a certain warlike play style, right? So, uh, so they just walked into the city and said, "It's ours," and I said, "No, it's not." And so then I, and but because of that, they then got like access to a whole bunch of technology that I had, which was devastating. So I'm like, "Oh, well, before I could have taken your weird horsemen, but now you also have musketmen." And con- and I was like, "All right." we're done here smite and you know like <laughs> so basically what i did was i just i just walked back into and so but they took over like two other towns so i like walked into that town took that one back and now i'm like swatting flies you know and getting increasingly irritated and so then uh you know i took over there this is kind of just going to the story but i i took i smote everyone in their capital city and i walked into there i was like mine now what and they said and so then they actually split into two different factions because this caused a civil war, right? <laughs> and like, so now there's there's the Babylonians and the Sioux. And I was like, oh, all right. I mean, sucks to be you, man, you know? Um, and then the Sioux came to me and said, hey, how about some of that sweet, sweet peace? And I said, no, I am going to wipe you from this planet. And the Senate said, nah, super psych. We're cool with that. And I said, ah, come on. And so then, then the Babylonians, though, came back and they were like, hey, so how about some peace? You... You got any of that piece? And I said, no, you started this, man. You sit in the corner and think about what you did while I wipe out every city on the globe. And the Senate said, nah, we like peace. And I was like, I'm so sick of you people. Yeah. Um, and, Feudalism uh, it is. <laughs> it's like time to, time to wind back the clock. But anyways, the, the moral of that story is that's why I, I, I enjoyed that particular cheat. Because one of the things I always hate about 4X games is that that person walking into my city and now suddenly getting all of my tech and all this sort of stuff, that's devastating, right? And that made me feel unhappy. And the amount of time I was going to spend feeling unhappy until I got the good, happy chemical drip of I have now sought vengeance and set the world back to being right in my mind's eye, that takes so much time. And I don't want to spend that much time because it's not proportional to the good, happy chemical I'm going to get when I actually get the job accomplished. So being able to twist that chemical on in my brain to say like, nah, smote, ha <laughs> ha, you know, like that, that was really nice. And I really liked it. Well, I think you just made me realize that this game almost definitely intentionally, but maybe the happiest of accidents. Uh, but this game is making different play styles, not just equally accessible, but kind of treating them as equals in terms of like, do what you enjoy. Right. And and you could easily optimize the fun of the game by just cheating nonstop and not ever actually trying to tackle the problems of playing the game. But uh, what I just realized from the way you were explaining that is this is why one of the end game conditions is survive until this year, because the goal that this game lays out is not take over the world. The goal that this game lays out is 
be a successful civilization. And one of the ways you can do that is by leaving the planet behind and becoming a spacefaring civilization. One of the ways you can do that is killing everyone and being the only civilization. <laughs> and one of the ways you can do that is by learning to live in harmony with other civilizations, right? And and then you kind of gray goo into one homogenous, you know, we're all earthlings here. And that Earthicans. Earthicans. Um that <laughs> makes certain things make more sense, right? Like why the game can end at 2020 is because that's a non-science, non-murder way like that's that's how you win through diplomacy, right? In Master of Orion 2, you literally have to convene everyone and say elect a supreme ruler of the galaxy whereas in <laughs> this game it's once the world has reached stability then we just consider that okay you did it. you reached stability right because it's unrealistic given the realistic setting of the game to say we elected a president of earth right that that's not appropriate in the, the setting um and i like that because that just reminded me that one of the settings you can do in like the flat earth custom settings menu is you can do bloodlust where you it turns off the other two endings and you have to win by becoming the dominant the only civilization in the world and and so the game says hey by default there are these three different ways to win if what you want to do is cheat we put those right over here super easy to get to if what you want to do is play this game like starcraft where you have to stamp out the scourge the, of every other <laughs> culture on earth there's a checkbox for that right over here, you know, and I, I just like, I'm kind of blown away by the maturity and sophistication of not just having those things exist in the game at all, which is already kind of like, Hey, good job, but not making one, the overwhelmingly obvious way to do it because the game is pushing you that way. And it makes the other ways like it, it yells at you for doing them right. Like when you say, Hey, I want to cheat. It just goes, Hey, that's fine. Just so you know, next year score if you finish the game it's gonna say you played in cheat mode okay here you go here's all the cheats right just because there's no way to undo it right so it gives you gives you a little surgeon general's warning but that's really impressive it's really impressive when you think about it on that kind of like macro we just want everybody to have fun here kind of scale oh yeah no absolutely um and and also too is one of the things that i i liked about the cheats is it's it's basically an assist mode right but what I liked about it is that it's, like you said, it, it, it asterisks your score, but that's it. It doesn't say, you know, oh, well, now the game will never end. Or there are these other ramifications that are, you know, huge, unconscionable problems, right? So basically, you can use it exactly the way that I used it, which is that, let's just argue for a minute. That So I, I was being vindictive, right? But let's just say if you're like, oh, no, I didn't know that they could just walk into an undefended city. I need to fix that problem. All right, well, I'm going to smite everyone in this city and go take it back because I, I didn't know that. So I'm going to basically force the game to reset where it was to, you know, before this this thing happened. And now um, now I'm just going to play it out, you know, uh, from there. So like literally you can just cheat back to where you feel, you know, like so you don't lose the four hours you put into it up to this point. You just be like, all right, you know, it actually wind it back a couple of turns, you know. Um, before this this thing happened, or I'm going to even this this playing field, or oh yeah, had I known that, I would have built more defensive units. So I'm going to go ahead and give each, you know, I'm going to generate a defensive unit in each area because that's what I would have done beforehand. Yes, that does give me a slight edge, but it evens it out, you know. So 
Uh, yeah, it's, well, it's, and, the, and it's, uh, it's critical to be specific for someone who hasn't played this game or hasn't played this game in a long time that the cheats are as targeted as you just described. You can say, finish researching the technology I'm currently researching or finish building the thing I'm currently building or, or give me this unit. Right. But you can also say, show me the entire check tech tree and I'll just check off the ones I want. Right. So like you can do little scalpels or you can do giant sledgehammers. You can, uh, just edit how much money you have. If you're just like, you know what? I just, I didn't really understand how taxes and production worked, And like, now I'm way behind and, and like, I, I just want slightly more robust coffers. Right. Or I just like, I screwed up and I accidentally switched to this other government and I don't want to do another revolt because like we're in the middle of producing military units or whatever. So just, just switch me to this other government. So, uh, being able to just completely turn it into a video game and just, give yourself everything and then just march the armies of darkness all over the world. Like Sean Connery was afraid would happen. Like, yeah, you can totally (laughs) do that. Or you can just say, you know what? I just, I, I didn't understand the tech tree. I didn't understand how this unit worked. I didn't understand whatever, or I forgot, or I just want to play around with it or whatever. And just do these like little super targeted cheats. And, and they all get you the exact same penalty, right? You get the asterisk. If you, if you do one little cheat, or if you just become the cheatingest cheater in all of cheating tin, it's just like, okay, I'm this save file is now just one in which I use cheats and I, and I'm fine with that. I don't care. So yeah, no, I thought that that was uh, very, very, very well done. And again, to me, completely changed my emotional state in the game, which was from that of I am frustrated and don't want to do this anymore to, well, that was a frustrating thing that happened, but I can now write the tables and not in the way that the game has decided is fair, but in the way I've decided is fair, you know, Um, just uh, a couple of other like minor throwaway things. One is that I thought this was fascinating. From what I can tell, the computer AI, so, you know, there's the, the fog of war, right? You know, you know where you're at, and then the, you've got to explore. It's part of the game, right? From what I can tell, the AI knows when there are obstacles on a path that you've chosen that you don't necessarily know exist, you know? So, oh, if you say, like, move eight squares away into the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Then then if there's a, a an obstacle, it'll, because I, I said, like, move eight squares directly to the right and it said sure and it moved like north too and i was like what and it's getting around an obstacle i don't know exists um which is so again less realistic but i actually prefer that uh, what they I, in, in my opinion civilization six went in the wrong direction which is they they will assume a direct path and then as <laughs> the fog of war lifts they'll they'll change that right so what's really and, and and literally if any part of the fog of war is touching it it it, it it'll it pretend like it doesn't know so <laughs> you'll see what is clearly like a peninsula you know and but they're like nah man but but that might connect to this land you want to get to so i'm just gonna go right over there it's like you know you're gonna run into an ocean man i'm telling you you're gonna run into an ocean and it's really funny when you do the the earth map because i know what that looks like right so i'm like <laughs> but the computer doesn't know you know so i'm like Hey, go over here. And they're like, oh yeah, man, I'm just gonna take a straight route. It's like, not unless you somehow know how to fly from Spain to Africa, because <laughs> there's a big old body of water right there and you don't know how to cross it. You know, so I, I actually preferred that. I thought that was nice. <laughs> yeah, and th- there are a lot of things in this that are video gamey or uh are just like silly and just kind of there for levity's sake. And I can't think of any that really like rubbed me the wrong way where I said 
oh, that was a dumb video gamey way to handle that. Like there might've been times where because of sour grapes, I said that, but I think generally yeah. from like a, a game design standpoint, I was usually like, no, okay. Like that's, that's fine. Like that's a video gamey way to handle that, but that's fine. Right. The, the only place I guess, and we already talked about it is just the, the tech tree is weird, but it's not video gamey. It's just weird. Right. It's like it, it required further refinement, you know, throughout the later games. Um, there's one thing I wanted to mention to you just uh, cause I, I, I didn't, I don't love it. And the main reason I want to bring this up is not because I have a ton to say about it in Civ two, but it's like, I want to know if they change this in Civ six. Um, I made a lot of logistical errors because of not understanding how certain things worked because my mental model is very tied up in how masters of Orion two does logistics. And this game does logistics in a super different way, super, super duper different way. And the thing that kept screwing me up was supporting units. So like this, uh, this city is supporting like these units. And then sometimes something bad would happen. Like a city would get invaded and then I wouldn't have enough resources. And they would be like, Oh, you lost these settlers because you didn't have enough resources to support this unit. And I was struggling to internalize that because masters of Orion makes no such distinction, right? Your whole society functions as a unit. So if this star system has super high production because of the, the type of planet and the, maybe you've enslaved the formics that are there or whatever, then you get like, that's where that's your manufacturing wing, right? Like the, I build colony ships over there, but those colony ships are now not bound to that star system. That's dumb. It makes sense <laughs> in the context of civilization because it's like, yeah, how are you supporting these units when they're like out traveling? But I just was struggling to internalize the ability to say, okay, now that this unit is over here, I want it supported out of this city because that city is closer and they have a surplus of food and they can, they can manage to support them. Even though I built them out of this city and I do so many settlers, I lost so many settlers because <laughs> the city that built them was now struggling and I should have switched them to being supported out of another city. So does, does Civ six change this or do they just do away with this whole mechanic? Uh, yeah, they did away with it altogether. Oh, uh, Masters of Orion <laughs> bore, bore out on that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Once you, uh, once you build a unit, it's, it's just, it's that unit it has a gold maintenance cost, but that's it. You know, but that and, just and comes that out of sense. the general coffers. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it, yeah. So it, you know, and I think that there's, there's some type of a war weariness mechanic, but just again, for the record, I only play civilization six on the easiest possible difficulty because I don't want to challenge. I want to come slowly take over the planet, feel good about myself and then go to bed. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, so there is something with like war weariness, which I think that, you know, like if you're at war for too long, it'll cause people to be upset with you. But uh, uh, yeah, but no, I mean like, like, and that's, and that's one of the things that is, is interesting um, about civilization. So, with Civilization 2, I would say that they, mechanically, they do incentivize for you to go take over the world, even if you're going for the science victory, right? Because more cities means more science, right? You know, so it, it makes the, the most sense for you to do that. Oh, one thing I, I did want to mention really quickly, uh, just as an aside, when you said you have to pull the Galactic Senate together in Masters of Orion, I just, wasn't it always a blast when you had like so many more people than everyone else? And they're like, we want you to be the leader. And you're like, no, I want this other guy to be the leader. <laughs> and it's like, oh, 
okay, but then he's going to win the game. Like you submit to his rule. No. (laughs) It's like, well, we're all united against you. It's like, that's what I wanted. And then you exterminate the new unified race. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you, you pull the sheet off of the first ever stellar converter and you're like, behold, (laughs) behold, what is about to happen to you? Anyways, um, the number of times I have seen the planet getting cut in half animation. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, so so good. Because you know, I mean, hey, hey, you can't, you can't terraform a toxic planet, but you can do an artificial one. I I know we talked about that when we played that game, but that that is maybe the most psychopathic I have (laughs) I have ever literally in in a video game where I was just like, oh, there's there's one planet in this star system, and there's a couple other planets I I don't really care for, so. uh Hey, you guys go colonize those planets. Yeah. Or or better, I will colonize that planet. And here is a gift. Uh, Wait one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> deep, deep issues that that game could unearth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's it's just kind of like you, you. And then Smash cuts to you with your therapist and they're like mouth is open, you know. And like, <laughs> Get out. <laughs> you are beyond help. Uh, so anyway, so uh, taking over cities is the ideal way to go. Uh, one of the things, though, that they do in, in Civilization Six that mitigates that advantage is that the more cities that you have, the harder it is, the, the more it costs to build districts that build science or money or whatever. So there is a point where it's like, hey, if you got five cities, that's optimal. If you go conquer more cities, it'll actually slow down the production in your existing cities. You know, see that. That sounds like a refinement of the supported units mechanic, right? Is what what they wanted is there needs to be some sort of uh, external pressure on expansion. And the way that manifests in Civ 6 is it sounds like, oh, it's harder to have these districts and there's downsides to the way, like if your districts aren't set up right, then that causes these other problems. And the way it manifests in Civ 2 is oh, you have you have like literal supply lines between you and all of your units. And so there's a limit to how many units a given city can support. And then that causes like these other problems. And I don't I don't like the supported units manifestation of that external pressure. Like I, I, I do think for the way the game functions, there needs to be an external pressure that makes unlimited as rapid as possible expansion not the one and only way to win because then otherwise that's just what you would do and and the every game would end in the year 5000 bc when we have the biggest rocks and the heaviest clubs and we just went and clubbed everybody's heads in right so like that wouldn't be fun but i i don't i don't like the supported units implementation of that external pressure yes um so the one the one final note that i have and then i um and then we can talk about you, you. You had a thing tied to gunpowder that you wanted to go over. I did. My God. Oh, it, it was basically we we sort of had like a roundabout version of the discussion with the tech tree, which is just like I, I don't. I, I don't love the way the tech tree is implemented because it's like kind of confusing and granted they put all the information in front of you so you can figure it out. Right. But it's just. Again, it's not Masters of Orion 2, and you know, for you, it's not Civ 6, right? So it's like, it's just, ah, you don't fit my mental model. Um, but I, I did think it was interesting once I understood, like, oh, getting from here to guns allows this certain style of like hyper aggressive, you know, basically unstoppable gameplay. I was like, oh, that's, 
mm, that's pretty close to a first order optimal strategy. <laughs> like, yep. just, yeah. which, which sucks because that's kind of how it actually shook out, right? Like the first people <laughs> who got guns, like caused a lot of problems for all the people who didn't have guns. And then the first people who got tanks and atomic weapons caused a lot of problems for people who didn't have tanks and atomic weapons. So it's the game for better or worse, does an actually pretty accurate job of like reflecting the way history has actually borne out, which is cool. Um, but the way it manifests in the tech tree is so kind of jank that it creates this <laughs> weird, like, Oh, we have guns, but we haven't discovered pottery. Right. Well, and actually what, what they do in Civ six is, is fascinating with that is that um, not only do you need the technology in order to build the unit, but you need the resources to build the unit. And, and it not isn't like food, but is in like, iron you know you have to have an iron mine you know if you want to build uh swordsmen because they they have iron swords right and uh, which is funny because the other thing that they do which i think in civilization six which they they don't do here is that until you research the technology to know what that thing is you don't know where it is on the map right so because that would make sense right because you're like it doesn't show you where uranium deposits are because this is just a rock to you until you learn what uranium is, you know? It's a glowy, hurdy rock. <laughs> well, that's actually the problem is it's not a glowy, hurdy rock. Is it just, it's just a rock, but it, it's cursed because everybody who holds it dies early. You know? um, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 it would be easier if it was the rock from Star Trek that uh, Beverly Crusher fell in love with, you know? So, so you find this rock and you discover polytheism because you now think rocks are cursed. And then later you discover uranium, but it's the same rock. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, d- different approaches, different strokes, you know, but, uh, um, anyways, I say all that to say that w- w- what's interesting sometimes is you'll be like, ah, yes, I'm going to create, you know, iron uh swordsmen who will then you know be uh, like awash the world with my glory right and so you say like yes now research on iron mines and it does it and you look around you go i don't own any iron mines well damn it um (laughs) which is backwards right like the parts of the world that developed iron weaponry did so because they discovered iron, not they didn't develop the idea of iron weaponry and then went, ah, oh, crap, we don't have any iron near here. Oh, uh, no, this is a problem. But again, like the nice thing is that it does, again, curtail that strategy because if you don't have access to iron, then, you know, and what they want you to do is they want you to go and trade and stuff like that, right? But that's, that, that never works. Um, so I say all that to say uh, that the one other thing, uh, and, and, and again, is the way I remember this back in the day so much so that when I first started playing Civilization VI, I, I said Pangea. I want to play on Pangea because I don't want to ever deal with water ever because trying to get units <laughs> across water is a godforsaken nightmare. <laughs> I remember having a similar feeling when we played StarCraft and every time it was like, <laughs> oh, you got to put a bunch of Marines into this dropship. I was like, no, why? Nope. And there's so many missions where you must do that. And I hated them. Hated everyone. And so when, because because what they do in Civilization VI, which is amazing, is units can embark, right? So if you put the unit into water, it just, it just, the boats come, right? The boats just are, they just become the boats. Now, what it does is it severely reduces their attack ability, right? So they're, you know, because they're on boats, right? Um, boats aren't reduced by being on the water. So it behooves you, if you're afraid of being attacked on the water, to have an escort with them, right? But you don't have to, right? But yeah, the minute I said, like, I, I came to the water and I got this, like, uneasy feeling, I said, oh, no, <laughs> I'm worried. 
And then I clicked on the water and I said, Hey, can you just, uh, it's just one tile of water and I see land right over there. Can you, um, you know, maybe just, just hop in and, and go over there. And they said, uh-uh. and I was like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm not building the ship. So I guess that area is just off limits to me. You know, like this is again, Wakanda forever, man. Like, let's do this. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get to experiment with custom maps, or I, I just did like randomize, right? Because that that's the way I remember playing, and and that's um, that that's the like happy path. Like when you're starting a new game, that's one of the defaults. Um, I did seriously want to do the Australia like super science Wakanda strategy where it's like, we are the only people who start on this landmass and everyone else starts on Pangea. So they can all interact with each other and cause each other problems. And I'm just over here. And like, we will be like aliens to them when we show up with our hyper futuristic technology because they haven't been able to fully science. So I didn't get to, I I wanted to play through one game like that and I didn't get to, but I mean, I know, I know how it would shake out. It would essentially shake out like cheating because it's cheating with extra steps. (laughs) That it is. That it is. Um, The one other uh, thing, a side note, I'll say just about like Civilization Six, where you 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 said like, what's always interesting is when you do that. If you say like, I'm going to play as Australia, and everybody in Europe's wailing on each other, so eventually you you go over to Europe, right, with your death robots, and <laughs> and and the thing is, all I always find fascinating is is you'll meet <laughs> you'll meet like Frederick Barbosa of the Germans, and he's like, ah, you know, it's good to meet you. As you can see, here is my home nation of brussels and there's berlin and there's paris under german control and there's and you're like paris huh what an odd name for that city i uh i would like more information on that because it's like and you just see the cities that they've taken over over time and you're like hey i don't uh i don't think you came up with the name paris man there's something dark going on there how how different was the feeling between losing your like losing a city versus losing your capital city like the the uh swelling of nationalism that rose up in me when someone would like take over rome or you know take over whatever my capital city was it's just like you know oh no some random city was taken over oh the capital was taken over well i have now conscripted a hundred percent of my citizens into the military (laughs) and we are taking back rome yeah, no, which is kind of what Rome did when uh, uh, Hannibal came through. So you know that is true. Yeah, yeah. So good, good, good on you. Way to stay in character. Um, anything else? No, we we could talk about how it held up. Um, it held up. So I I will say with some caveats. First off, no nostalgia goggles required. Like the, this game is honestly, I think probably way ahead of its time for its time, which is part of the reason why it's so playable today. Um the places where you will run into issues are actually things that have only recently started to really be addressed in 4X games, which is you got to do some reading. You got to do some trial and error. You got to like figure out what stuff does. And I don't think that is as much a, a problem of the time in this game as it is in like a platformer or an RPG or whatever, because that is how these games are. There's a lot of systems, they're complicated, and they want you to learn them and experiment with them so that you can develop interesting strategies that you find engaging. And if you don't find that kind of gameplay engaging, you will probably not enjoy this game, right? Civilization VI, uh, the newer Master of Orion, the remake or whatever, like newer 4X games 
probably are more amenable to like baby mode where if you want to just go in and be like it's like a strategy game you can do that but then they also have all of the super hard stuff right this game you still have to do the homework you still have to do the reading you still have to click on the cheat menu right like there are things where you have to put in the effort but it's not because the game is poorly designed it's because it is coming to the table and honestly saying, this is what I need out of you. If you want to enjoy my video gaminess, this is what you need to bring to the table. So I don't consider that uh, a dated mechanic. I don't consider that a, a failing of game design. I think it's just part of four X games is they're friggin' complicated. So, uh, <laughs> the biggest drawback to this game is just the shockingly dated graphics that did not age well at all. Right? Like, that alone might make you say like, uh, maybe go play three or four if you want a classic sieve, but you want one that is like less grainy. Um, but if you have fond memories of this game, or if you like Civ six and you're curious about the classic civs, this game's great. Like surprisingly advanced for what it was trying to do. Uh, which is why I think the later Civ games are so good is because this is the friggin' foundation they were building on. Like just right. a- absolutely amazing. Um, I was, there were a lot of things that I personally found frustrating because they didn't fit my mental model, but they were never the game's fault, right? It was always like, oh, I came in with a bunch of preconceived notions, made a stupid decision, and then paid for it, right? I, As I said earlier, like, I f***ed around and found out. So that's not the game's fault. It's not a game design problem. And in this genre specifically, screwing around and finding out is like an expectation of the player. So uh, I, I probably won't spend a ton more time with it. I do want to dedicate now finally a little bit of my limited gaming time to civ six because i'm now like oh okay like now i want to see uh but yeah no nostalgia goggles required it was good he's good uh i would also say no nostalgia goggles required uh again with with you know a, a minor caveat which is that uh you know to your point right is, is is should you should you go back and play this game yes absolutely you can it holds up uh, my recommendation would be go play Civilization Six because it does everything that this game does, but you know, it's it's with all of the modern amenities, you know. So if you want to go back and rough it camping in the woods, you know, then go for it, right? But if your goal is to have a nice, relaxing weekend, uh, go glamping. Don't you know? Go don't go and rough it with just you know. Don't don't do the Michael Scott where you're thrown off into the woods with you know just a hunting knife and toothpick, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, anyway, so so, but yeah, that's the thing is that the the game absolutely, uh, you know, it's it's fun, it's enjoyable. Again, I think that to me, the one of the big game changers is the cheat mode, just because again, if there's a thing you don't like about the world, change it, change it at the beginning, change it in the middle, change it at the end, do do whatever you want to do. Um, so if somebody came to me and said, you know, like, hey, I I don't I don't like Civilization Two. I played it and it doesn't hold up. I'd say the curtain falls, the music plays. The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head. From the time that you spent Traversing the land
battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You gonna think back much less on how you saved the day than on all. 